Welcome to bonus episode number 10 of the Fancy Free Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. This is a continuation of the conversation that I had with the stand-up comedian, Mrs. Hughes. If you didn't hear the regular episode with the first part of that conversation, you might want to go back and listen to that one first, because we refer to some of those stories in our discussion today. You can listen to that episode at fancyfreepodcast.com slash episode 61. On the Fancy Free Podcast, my guests and I tell our most embarrassing funny stories so we all feel less alone in our imperfections and forge connection through vulnerability and humor. I'm Joanne Jarrett, and I'm your host. You guys, I just had such a wonderful, in-depth, interesting, and fun conversation with Mrs. Hughes that I couldn't figure out what to cut out. So I've made a bonus episode and I think it's going to end up being maybe even a little bit longer than the regular episode. But I feel like I could talk to Mrs. Hughes all day. We have actually a lot in common and she was just really charming, interesting, full of stories and I wanted to share. The other thing I'm doing in today's episode is giving you other audio snippets of pieces of Mrs. Hughes' stand-up act. I am honored to have been given permission by Mrs. Hughes to bring you this audio, and I absolutely know you'll love it. Bear with me as this episode is a little bit like a ping pong ball. It sort of bounces all around, but it is so fun, and I know you'll enjoy it. Again, in this episode, we do touch upon private body parts of the female anatomy, so it might be an episode better listened to with earbuds or by yourself. don't work for me and girdles are back in the store so I bought a girdle I pulled it up I pushed up the fat gained two bra sizes and fell flat on my face all in one body shaper that's the way to go you girls know the one I'm talking about the one with the snap crotch of course it helps if you can reach your crotch you should have been there the night my husband was cutting me out of that thing I still didn't get to the bathroom on time Victoria's Secret to get fitted for a bra and they took my measurements and sent me to Home Depot which was kind of neat because I bought a compass and I wear it right here to remind these puppies which way to point they are headed around back I don't have cleavage anymore I've got Cleveland in another couple of years I'm going to look like a camel but I'll be a lot more fun to slow dance with so many different kinds of fancy underpants and I'm not going to wear any of them especially the thong I'm not wearing a thong no I don't have to I have undies that do that on their own the older and fatter I get the more stuff tries to work its way in there I won't even sit on a bar stool for fear I'll have to take it home with me I don't like this you know floppy boob thing because the bruises on my thighs are very tender <laughs> So I decided, and you guys, we, well, honey, we've become best friends now, right? Tell me if this is a stupid idea, okay? I'm thinking of getting my nipples pierced. And hanging a chain between them. And wearing them around my neck. Think that's great? Okay, that's my plan. 
Well, I hadn't thought about it so much until I drove here today, and I passed a place that I think will do it in the valley. It was a tattoo parlor. I haven't... <laughs> oh, you can't... Well, I, I don't like to show my arm, but we're just showing you this. <laughs> Does that look like a, a rose? <laughs> Don't tattoo yourself. <laughs> it's a bruise, but I told my husband, who's like 86, he's very old, and I said to my husband, I got a tattoo, and he believed me. He said, that's what happens when you're old, those tattoos run. <laughs> when you first get it, you dumb <laughs> When I tell people I'm a comedian, they go, oh, well, where do you do it? And oh, I do it anywhere that somebody's got enough money to pay me. And I do it everywhere. I've done it on cruise ships. I've done it in England. I'm very popular in Canada. And so I have to say, I, but I, I really am a comedian. I've, I've been doing stand-up for 38 years. And I'm still not positive that people believe me. So I would say, go to my website, or I hand them my business card, which is a picture of me behind a microphone. You know, if I said I was a doctor, I wouldn't have to operate to prove it. That's true. People probably say, oh, really? Well, tell me a joke on the spot. Oh, they do that all the time. And you go, you know what? I don't feel like telling a joke right now. How much money have you got? Exactly. <laughs> I talked to a dentist one time, and he said, well, make me laugh. I said, fill my tubes. Exactly. It won't work for free to you. <laughs> Love it. Totally. But the reason why I started this podcast is because I designed a clothing line and I started documenting that in a blog. You know, anything that would happen to me in life that got me to thinking, I'd write an article about it. So I, I got stuck in a dress at Dillard's and I, I was all by myself <laughs> and I was really stuck. And I had to get the sales lady into the dressing room to extract me from this dress. And I was mortified. You know, I got over it really fast. And by the time I picked my daughter and her friend up from gymnastics, we were howling with laughter because it was funny. So I went home and I wrote an article about it in my blog. And I said, I want to know if this has ever happened to any of you. Well, people were coming out of the woodwork. But I got stuck in a dress. You did? <laughs> Yeah, oh, I got stuck in a dress at Lane Bryant. You'd think it would have been big enough, but it wasn't. Oh. And my one arm was up in the air. <laughs> and it wasn't a particularly well-attended store. But I said, is there anybody in the dressing room besides me? And a woman said, yes. She said, thank God, would you please come and help me? I'm stuck in this dress. And the woman she got me out of the dress, but she had to keep her legs crossed because she was laughing so hard. <laughs> and I, I honestly, I just looked so ridiculous. But you know something? Things strike me funny. I interpret things wrong. But everywhere I went when I was a road comic, and I was a road comic for years and years, I would drive through every small town in America, and there was always a store called Catherine Stout Shop. And I'm probably what you would call stout, but I would never go into a store called a stout shop. It's still in business, Catherine's, and they have the best looking fat people clothes. Well, they used to be called Catherine's Stout Shop, which I thought was hysterical. Do you remember when ATM cards first came out? 
Yes. Well, I was quite old at the time, <laughs> and I didn't read everything in the letter that said, here's the card, and we will send you a pin. And yeah. I thought they were going to send some kind of a brooch. <laughs> so I'd get all the mail from the bank, and I wouldn't open it. I'd just feel to see if there was a brooch in it and throw the mail away. I don't know how long it took me to figure out. Maybe one of my children explained it to me. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> I was so disappointed. Well, you never did get your brooch. No. Oh, how rude. And I didn't get a toaster from the bank either. You ever gotten a toaster for opening an account? No, I haven't. But I did get a ball cap the last time I opened an account. That was kind of nice. Oh, well, that's good because I have protective face shields that fit on the end of a ball cap. I don't have a ball cap. Oh, well, you should go open a new bank account. Surely they'd give you a ball <laughs> cap. <laughs> Where do you bank? I'll have to go there. I'm in Montana. It would be a real long trip. Yes, it would. My husband and my daughter's husband were talking, and one day, Paul, my son-in-law, said, you know, the only reason we're still in California is because of you and Carol. And then my husband said, well, the only reason we're in California is because of you and Amy. So between the two of them, they decided we were going to move, and everybody put their house up for sale. She sold her house in seven days, and we sold our house. It took over a year. Well, we made a rule that we would have no stairs because my husband's 90 and I'm very old and we were having trouble with stairs. So we didn't get any. But the problem is, if you don't have any stairs, you've got a house the length of a ball field. (laughs) That is really true. I wear my Apple watch. And at the end of the day, I have walked over a mile just in my house. Wow. And that's not even cleaning. (laughs) That reminds me, when my kids were little, we lived in a one-story house, and the master bedroom was on one end, and it was a very long, skinny house, too. And the kids' bedrooms were at the end of the hall on the other end of the house. And I had a baby monitor because, you know, we're modern. But every time one of my kids would cry, I'd get up out of bed, and of course, I wasn't wearing a bra, and I would run because it, it was a long way. I was like, they need me. I'm running. The bruises on the thighs, the worst. <laughs> I'm holding my boobs and running down the hall. And I thought, good Lord, if there was ever a burglar, they'd be like, get me out of here. This is a loony bin. But, you know, there just wasn't any other way. So when my kids stopped waking up in the night, I thought, I'm going to have to figure out how to get my exercise now because (laughs) I'm not running back and forth all night. When I was pregnant, the doctor told me I was to wear a bra at night all the time. I should never go without a bra. Thank God for that, or they'd be below the knees. (laughs) Now I'm wearing camisoles that have little shelf bras inside. That's what I wear to bed. And that's actually why I designed my loungewear line because I wanted pajamas that had little shelf bras in them because I don't want to wear my my battle axe daytime strap them in and perk them up bra, but I still wanted to have a little bit of coverage and support. I did buy one of those shelf bras online. And believe me, it was not easy to find one that would fit me. (laughs) And I put it on. And my boobs fell off the end of like a waterfall. And I thought, oh, that's going to look really attractive under clothing. And then that now, have you noticed all the bras already have boobs in them? Yes. I hate those. They add too much bulk for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I bought one of those at Walmart. And I thought my boob will fill this up right away. But it doesn't. If you look in there, my boobs are huddled at the bottom. 
in fear. <laughs> They're intimidated by that perky stiffness that's at the top of the bra. <laughs> yeah, a regular bra fits my boobs fine, except for the part that hangs out under my arms. <laughs> Uh-huh. There's no bra for that part of us, is there? <laughs> no. And I bought one that said it takes care of all of those things, but it didn't. That I bought, have you seen those pants that they advertise? I see it all the time on the computer that uh, they have these people with enormous stomachs and then they put this panty on and it just they, all goes away. Mm-hmm. And then the woman has her arm inside the panty on both sides To show you how flexible it is? (laughs) Well, I tried them on and I got my hands in both sides and couldn't get them out. (laughs) And I have to tell you that being stuck in the dress at Lane Bryant wasn't half as much fun as having your arms stuck in your underwear. (laughs) I, I, I tell everybody, I got the eye watch that if you fall, it says... We detected a hard fall, and and then they'll call for help. So I um, I had that on, and I did have it on when I had those panties on. It was one of the reasons why I couldn't get my arm out. <laughs> but I did, the story I tell is that I fell down, and my watch fell off, and the geek squad came, stepped over me, picked up the watch, said it was fine, and left. <laughs> I can't think of an example in my act except that story I just told you that wasn't true. And even so, that much of it was true that I had my arms stuck in my pants and had to fight to get them out again. I am Mrs. Hughes. I've been married so long, my oldest daughter's my age. (laughs) And people ask me all the time, what's the secret to a long and happy marriage? I can tell you the secret to a long one. (laughs) It's children. That's the reason my husband and I are together today is the kids. Neither of us wanted custody. My son Scooter was the sweetest small child in the world. He was the darling little boy. And one night at dinner, he said to me, Mama, when I get married, I want to marry someone exactly like you. Then out of the corner of my eye, I saw my husband go... One minute, 10 years old, and the sweetest thing you ever saw, and the next thing you know, just like that, he's 15, and he's copped in attitude. (laughs) We'd been fighting all day, and he came over to me, and he goes, so, why'd you have me? (laughs) Well, actually, we didn't know it'd be you. (laughs) We were hoping for someone with a job. But you know, you don't realize that children don't necessarily understand everything. That's right. We all told our children, don't talk to strangers. And one day my little girl was out front and she was talking to a foreign born person that was in the passenger seat of a car. It was a mom and she wanted to know if Peggy would wash out the baby bottle and put water in it for her. When I heard her talking, I ran out there, found out what the woman needed and gave the baby fresh milk and whatever she needed. But I said to my youngest, I said, Peggy, how many times have you been told don't talk to strangers? And she said, was she a stranger? Was she born that way? How could you tell? That's so cute. (laughs) Isn't that sweet? But I went to the kindergarten and I told the kindergarten teacher And she said, oh, everybody knows what that means. And I said, my Peggy isn't stupid. Right. 
You know, you better ask and find out if they do because they don't. This is so true. This reminds me of something that my oldest daughter told me recently. And she has a real big, bold personality. And I used to tell her when she was little, honey, stop being a bull in a china shop. That was a really ignorant thing for me to say to my child, because not only did she not understand that figure of speech, she didn't even understand the words that I was saying. She thought I was saying that she's a bowl, like that you'd put right. ice cream in a bowl in a china shop. Much, <laughs> I mean, so she's like, mom, I always kind of wondered what you meant when you said I was acting like a bowl in a china shop. She, Cause she'd say to me, mom, what's wrong with a bowl in a china shop? And I'd be like, it's going to go around and break everything, honey. It's just not right for this environment. And she was so confused, you know, and I am a communicator and I am a super intentional mom. And that misunderstanding still stood for a really long time and it didn't come out until later. So sometimes we need to make sure we're choosing multiple different words to get our point across because yeah, they're inexperienced. They're young. They don't know. Well, when I was little, my mother and I were going somewhere and she said to me, now I want you to behave. And I said, I'm being have. I love it. I'm being have. Now, I've told that story so many times. All of my, my children and grandchildren think they're the ones that said it. Right? But it was an interesting thing in the sense that I obviously understood the ing form of grammar. I'm being have. So we have to be sure our children know. What we're, oh, and a woman told me at a party one time, aren't you a glamour girl? And I didn't leave my mom's side after that. I didn't play any of the games or anything. And on the way home, I said to her, what's a clabber girl? Oh. See, I didn't know that lady was kind of complimenting me in a snobby way. Exactly. I think that's really important too, because if you have a child who doesn't seem to be behaving in congruency with what you would expect, you might want to check mm-hmm. and make sure they're understanding the situation and there's not something that they're chewing on inside their head that they need help interpreting. Yeah. You know, my husband was a very late talker. The word is that he didn't talk until he was two. Oh, wow. I don't know. But one day his aunt, who is 10 years older than he was, slapped him. And he went in the house. This is the boy that didn't talk and said to his mommy, Pensy, slap me. (laughs) And so, of course, in his family, they always say, if If we knew that's all it took, we'd have had her slap you sooner. (laughs) That's so cute. What have you been loving lately that you think the listeners might love too? Oh, I like the television series Endeavor. Endeavor. Okay. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, there was a television series on a couple of years ago, I guess when we were still in California, and it was called Morse, M-O-R-S-E. And it was about a detective inspector in England. And it had, you know, the doctor that does the stuff with dead people. There's a word for it, but I can't think of it. And the man that worked, they call him the bag man, but his, his, <laughs> his assistant. assistant. <laughs> and Morris is kind of a snotty guy, I guess. A friend of mine always called the program Detective Morose. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, my husband and I loved that show. Well, they have come out with the prequel to it, Oh. And Morse's first name is Endeavor, and he never tells anybody his first name. They just call him Morse. Well, the prequel is called Endeavor, though nobody calls him Endeavor. And he's very, very smart, and he went to school at Oxford, and everything takes 
place in Oxford, England. Hmm. The man that played Morse is named John Thaw, and he died. Mm. And that was the end of the series. But in Endeavor, there's an actress whose last name is Thaw, and she's John Thaw's daughter, and she has a really nice part. But we love English murder mysteries. And my daughter will call me at 8 or 9 o'clock, and I say, I'm sorry, we're watching people get killed in England. I can't talk to you now. Have you experienced a crazy coincidence? Yes. I was living in California and driving in Lakewood, I think it was. I don't remember now the town. And all of a sudden, in my head, I said, Uncle Bill is dead. And when I got home, there was a message on the phone saying that Uncle Bill was dead. You are kidding. No. Wow. Now, the other one of those, my husband worked for the studios. He was a grip. The writers went on strike just about the time we started dating. And as a result, the union was on strike. And so he didn't have a job. He would just go collect unemployment. But he would spend his evenings and daytime as well at this little bar around the corner from where he lived. My father used to go to a bar in Florida. It was called the the 1260. I would go looking for my father. My mother would say, go get your dad. And I'd just go down to the 1260 and get daddy out of the bar to go home. The bar that my husband worked in when, before we met and, and when we were first dating was on 1260 Highland Boulevard. Oh, you're kidding. Oh. And his address was 1260 Las Palmas Avenue. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I didn't discover it until after I'd met him, though. We went to the place. It used to have Dixieland Jazz in there and pizza and stuff like that. And a girlfriend of mine said, somebody I want you to meet. So I just came back from the dentist and Molly picked me up and we went to the Rumble Seat was the name of the bar. And we walked in and behind the bar was absolutely the most gorgeous man I'd ever seen. Very Clark Gable-ish, you know. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I saw him, it popped into my head. I'm going to marry that man. <gasps> oh. Now, I'd seen him once before because Wednesday, before this Saturday that I'm talking about, that Wednesday, I went on a date with the son of a woman that I worked with. And he was a very skinny, unattractive, not very bright man. Poor guy. He was going to school to learn to be a locksmith. And I think it was all done by mail. And it was an ad on the back of a matchbook cover. Oh, my goodness. And so that was really something to look forward to. But she was such a sweet, <laughs> funny old lady. And she asked me, would I please go out with him? So I did. And we went to the rumble seat. And as we're going in, there was this man at the door that said, you're not old enough to drink in here. And it was, it was the man I married. It was Sam behind the bar. But I didn't put them together until I was talking to him that that was the one. So I don't know how it happened, but I went over and I was talking to him. And he said, you're not old enough to drink in here. And I said, you have really got some fancy repartee. He said the same thing to me Wednesday night. No, I'm not old enough to drink it. And he said, well, does your mother let you date? And I said, my mother has nothing to do with it. And he said, well, you want to go to the movies? And I said, sure. 
I gave him my phone number. As we're leaving, Molly said to me, now stay away from him. He's mine. Oh, sorry, Molly. I said, Molly, there was somebody you wanted me to meet. I thought you were trying to fix me up with him. I've already got a date. And then Molly managed to badmouth him beyond belief. Oh, no. But I married him. Wow. Every now and again, I'll get this voice in my head. And whatever it says, it, it happens. We've been married 58 years. I had to marry him. I didn't want to go back on my word. The doctor says to me, exercise would be good for you to help you lose weight. Well, yes, that's probably true. But I can't just, like, jump into exercise. You know, I have to kind of walk slowly into it. And then I had my knee replaced, and the doctor said, walking is very good exercise for a knee replacement. So I thought, all right, I'll start walking. Now I'm laying in the Barca lounger. I'm watching television, and they're advertising this thing that you put on your ankles, these weights that you walk with. And the theory is that if you wear the weights when you walk, you get the benefit of running. So you're supposed to wear the weights for 30 minutes, you get the benefit of running for 30 minutes. And I thought, you know, that's kind of like a two-for-one thing, you know, like buying a shoe and get the other one free, that kind of thing. So I sent for them. Well, it takes six weeks for them to come, six weeks that I had to sit there in that barcola <laughs> and contemplate the joys of walking. <laughs> So they finally come in their pink. And I think, oh, God, I couldn't wait to put them on. And they are not easy to put on because these are the kind that stretch. I think they're made for wrists. I might have done the thing on the computer wrong. So I had a really hard time getting them around my incredibly ugly feet. So I got them on, and I'm walking. Now, I'm going to walk for 15 minutes and then turn around and get home. 30 minutes, benefit of running for 30 minutes. And I started walking. I got halfway. Now I was so completely exhausted, I could hardly walk at all. But thank God I was in front of Pizza Hut. I went in, ordered a pizza, had it delivered and rode home with the guy. Now, this is completely unrelated, but what is your home decorating style? Oh, very eclectic. You know, I have a wooden wagon in the middle of my house. How neat. And a wicker buggy. Oh, awesome. And dolls. A lot of my husband's in my paintings. Oh, really? Paint? How interesting. What do you paint? I've been doing a lot of ocean, trying to do the ocean. I was painting everybody's pet there for a while. Wow. But mostly I do things that look a lot more like greeting cards. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's a question out of left field. What is the weirdest thing in your purse? Well, there's a maxi pad in there for sure. I don't think I have anything truly weird. Masks, mostly. That's the truth, isn't it? If, if somebody had shown me all the back-to-school pictures with masks a year ago, yeah. wouldn't we have been like, the world's gone bonkers, I'm in the middle of a horror movie. You know what I mean? It's just really crazy. What are they studying to be bank robbers? 
<laughs> right, exactly. Why in the world would they be in a mask, much less one that matches their outfit? What has happened to the world? I'm, I'm trying to make a line of masks with a zipper. <laughs> Wait a minute. Didn't I see? Don't you have masks online somewhere? Mm-hmm. Oh, and they're the most adorable thing. I made some really cute ones for the nurses. At the I call them the vampires. I have to have blood work done all the time. Okay. And tell me about the artwork on those masks. That Where did that come from? I'm obsessed with stuff like that. It's so adorable. I bought fabric that had nurses' cartoons all over it. And I just thought, this is so cute. And, I, and so I went to every nurse I knew, do you sew? Here is some cute fabric. But nobody did. So then my daughter and I started making masks. And I just tried to pick a fabric that would go with the red, white, and black sketches. And I'd cut them out and sew them on the fabric. Okay. So you applicate those pictures from the fabric onto other fabric. It's so cute. I love it so much. I love the aesthetic of those. Oh, you're a doctor. I'll send you one. Oh, that's awesome. If I make another one. I won't hold you to it, but I would absolutely love that. That would be amazing. (laughs) My sewing is there in my bedroom and everything is just piled on top of it. Everybody I know has cleaned and cleaned and cleaned. All I do is sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we built a chicken coop. That's what we did with our time in a greenhouse. And I want chickens. Oh my gosh. Mrs. Hughes, my chickens have a swing in their chicken yard. Aww. I was teaching myself everything about chickens because I didn't know anything. But when I couldn't buy eggs and we have this acreage, I thought that's it. We're getting chickens. We hung that chicken swing up in their yard and they didn't use it for several weeks. And then a few days ago, I went outside and lo and behold, one of my red chickens was on that swing and she was putting her head back and forth and swinging to a little heart out. And then I ran back inside to get my camera. And by the time I came back out, she was off. But then there was a black chicken on there and she was swinging. And I, I, I'm like, I've practically never been happier. These are the simple things that bless my heart. <laughs> My daughter bought me a bird feeder that's a tall cylinder with a little thing that you can stand on at the bottom of it. But if anything heavy stands on it, it flies around in a circle and throws them off. Oh, oh. So like if a squirrel gets on there? A couple of squirrels have figured out that if they go and they stand on the top and very carefully slide down the tube and land on the little metal stand and then carefully attach their fingers and toes and they fly around in a circle and they'll go six, seven, eight, ten times. Oh my gosh. And seed flies out the little holes. And then they jump off and uh, eat all the seeds and then go up the tree, down the chain, <laughs> down the tube. Ride it around. They emptied the feeder one day. I don't see how you get anything done if you can see that from the inside of your house. We sit at the table and watch them. (laughs) I would too. And then my daughter, Amy, found a local artisan who makes a wooden picnic table with attached seats for (gasps) squirrels. What? So we've been putting food on the table and then sitting with camera at the ready, waiting for somebody (laughs) to sit down at it. And unfortunately, they've timed their sitting there and eating the treats for when I go to the bathroom, I guess, because it's always gone when I come back. (laughs) They must have a lookout. Okay, they're not in the room. Let's eat. (laughs) 
But they'll climb up on the windowsill and look in our breakfast room window. And if my husband's there, they'll make noise or climb up the screen or something to get his attention. (laughs) And he'll get up and walk into the garden room and take peanuts and open the door. And they'll be sitting right there at the door and all but come in to get the peanuts. But some of them are afraid of me and they won't come if I'm there. You're kidding. But they will go back up on the thing and keep making themselves annoying until daddy goes and takes the peanuts out for the. That's so cute. And we have one squirrel, we call him Boo Boo, but he's been in a fight now. Both sides of his back have a big bruise on it. I'm so worried about him. We have another one that has a little piece missing in one of his ears. We call him Nacho. (laughs) Oh, perfect. My grandson, Devin, he has a little baby. Logan, when they bought their house, it came with chickens. Oh, wow. What a deal. One of the chickens is just in love with my grandson, the daddy, and his name is Pants, and he looks like he has pants on. And he'll come running whenever Devin goes outside. Oh, I love it. I was scared of our chickens at first, but they were babies, and I had them in a bathtub inside the house. And then when they got mature enough, I had to move them out to the chicken coop, and I did it on a day when my husband wasn't around for some reason. And I was very proud of myself. I was very impressed that they all survived the the situation, but I learned how to handle them because I started feeding them scrambled eggs, which sounds really weird, but eggs are good nutrition for chickens. That's what they eat the whole time before they hatch, right? Right. They love me now. Every time they see me, they cluck at me and they walk around. And sometimes they peck at my toenails if my toenails have sparkly (laughs) paint on them. And they peck our wedding rings. It's the strangest thing. But anyway, they're so much fun. We had a cat that tried to take my wedding ring off. She was curing me of whatever that was. (laughs) You mentioned antiques a couple of times. Are you an antique lover? Oh, yeah. What kind of antiques do you love? Well, it was funny because I started collecting tobacco cans. And, of course, that's a popular thing now. (laughs) Tobacco? What does that mean? And I... um, was taking a how to be a world famous writer course, adult ed. And so I contacted one of the antique magazines that I liked and sold them an article on tobacco cans. And I ended up getting a job writing short articles for them. That was one of the out of state checks I would get. Mm-hmm. That's neat. I was the first one in the class to actually sell something. One woman sold a book, but I sold that article on tobacco before she did. (laughs) So I went to the principal of the adult school where I was taking the writing class. And I said, why don't you have an antiques class? They have one in Redondo Beach. And he said, oh, good idea. Come and see me Monday. And I said, well, can I tell you about it more than why don't you have an antiques class? He said, oh, I think you can teach it. And I said, no, I want to take it. I can't teach it. He said, I think you can. And then he asked the teacher who wanted me out of the class because I was so disruptive, (laughs) laughing at everything. And my friend Marsha passing notes and we were just hysterical laughing all the time. He said, do you think she could do it? And she said, yes. So that was it. I got the job. But I, you know, I, I really didn't know anything about it. But my husband, thank heaven for him. He is just the most wonderful man in the world. For Christmas that year, he gave me every antique book I could ever want. Oh, he gave you your library. All I did was read. 
How interesting. And I made notes on everything I read, and then I would take the notes and create the class schedule out of it. And I taught, like I said, for 14 and a half years, and the class is still going. Wow. I want to take that class. Of course, I don't live anywhere near there, but I love antiques. Well, it's not an antiques class anymore. It's uh, more of a collectibles class. Mm -hmm. And frankly, it's almost like a club. It became a club very soon. And I didn't know anything about antiques. So somebody would come in at show and tell and have something there. And I could see it was old. And I'd go, where did you get that? Oh, my (laughs) word. And then just shut up and let them tell us all about it. (laughs) I love it. I want to know if you know about mudlarking. This is a phenomenon that I didn't know existed, but I learned about it because I love beach glass. Oh, I love beach glass. Yeah, but I don't, I'm not lucky enough to find it much, but I love looking at pictures of beach glass and I've actually purchased a little bit of beach glass at a gift shop here and there. And so I started following a couple of hashtags on Instagram so that I could see pictures of people's beach glass. And then I started realizing the same people who like beach glass also do this thing called mudlarking. And I'm probably going to butcher it, but it's such an interesting concept. On the River Thames, these people, when the tide goes out, walk around in the mud on the banks of the River Thames, and they find all kinds of fascinating things. Oh, absolutely. I didn't know that's what it was called. But yes, they, they find things from God, centuries ago. Yes. And it's so fascinating that most recently, I just saw a handful of straight pins, which caught my eye because I sew but they were really, really old straight pins. And then I read about how these straight pins used to be made and they were very valuable because they were very hard to make before. That's why people had pin money. Oh, pin money. Okay. Huh. So interesting. Because all of their clothing was put together with pins. You know, that's why men's shirts button on a different side than women's shirts. No, my daughter and I were just having a conversation about that the other day because she found a really cute shirt for her work uniform but it was a man's shirt. And she said, I can't mom, because I can't stand these buttons being backwards. And I thought, why is I wonder why that is. Then we never did look into it. Men tended to button themselves. Women had somebody button for them. Oh, like the dressers on Downton Abbey. Right. And early, early times, you didn't wash clothes as often as we do. And they would take the thing apart, and then that all had to be pinned back together on. Oh, right. And pins were very expensive and very difficult to make. Nails also used to be made by hand, and they were so, so expensive that if you moved, you frequently would burn your house down and sift the ashes and bring the nails with you. What? Oh, my gosh. I thought, what an interesting idea. It's almost like cutting off your nose to spite your face, but it just depends on what's valuable and what your priorities are. Wood was everywhere, but nails weren't. Right. I don't remember now exactly. It was like 1890 or something is when the uh, wire nails were being started being made. Thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode of the Fancy Free Podcast. Make sure you check the show notes at fancyfreepodcast.com slash bonus one zero so that you can find links to some fun stuff. I will link to the show Endeavor that Mrs. Hughes and her husband are loving, 
I'm also going to link to the Facebook post where she shows her adorable masks that she made. You have to see them. And I have a video of my chickens on their chicken swing, and I'm going to put that video in the show notes. You have to see it. So cute. I'll also link to some interesting mudlarking stuff so you can just kind of see what kinds of strange, cool things these people are finding in the mud. And I'll also link to the episode where I talk about getting stuck in the dress in case you want to hear the whole story about that. If you would like to be informed of when new Fancy Free episodes come out, then visit our website, fancyfreepodcast.com and join the mailing list. Have a great week. And remember, no one is as fancy as they look. 